Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hey everybody, it's me, it's Edwin, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Leadership Podcast. On today's episode, you will hear the conversation I had with Magosia Green. She is the Chief Product Officer at Top Hat. Magosia, she's also a successful entrepreneur with over 12 years of experience in edtech. And before she joined Top Hat, she was the CEO and co-founder of LearnHub, which grew to be the number one education site in India. It was very interesting to hear her story growing, scaling, leading that company that eventually got sold. Magosia has been named one of Canada's top young women in power by Canadian Business Magazine and listed as one of the women in tech worth following by Bidikit. But before jumping in, I would love to send out a special thanks to my media partner, IT World Canada, for the support of the show. Please enjoy our conversation. So welcome to the show, Magosia. Oh, thanks for having me, Edwin. Magosia, again, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today, inviting me to your office, your current office, and apparently there's construction around us, and it sounds like you're moving as well. So A, I'm super excited to see this location. Really happy to have you and share your story, your experience leading EdTech companies. But before I get started, Magosha, can you please tell the folks that who are listening, maybe share a little bit about yourself, tell us who you are, what you like to do when you're not leading companies? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, starting right at the beginning, uh, I was born in Poland and moved to Canada in the early 80s when Poland was still a communist country as a, as a young child. And I'm an only child and I was raised by my mom. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so fast forward a little bit, I attended the University of Waterloo, and I gotta say that's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Uh, you know, first of all, it was uh, good from a financial standpoint because I was able to get through university without having to take on any debt, and I didn't have very much help from my parents. And then secondly, because of the extensive network of people that it exposed me to. So while studying there, uh, I made a lot of great friends. And uh, the first experience I had in EdTech was actually through a friend of mine who started a company called Desire to Learn. He was in my class. And when I came back uh, while from working in Texas, I joined Desire to Learn as one of the first employees there. And it was largely due to sort of observing him and being inspired by his and his success that I started my first uh, company, which was Nuvo. And then uh, these days, things are pretty simple. Uh, when I'm not working, I'm taking care of my two young, very energetic children who are six and three. And my husband, uh, who I also met at Waterloo, so another great <laughs> plug for going to Waterloo, uh, runs a venture-backed uh, startup called CareGuide. Uh, his company aligns super well with our needs, which it, um, it connects families with nannies, sitters, pet sitters, housekeepers, and elder care providers. So that's pretty much my life these days. Awesome. And definitely love to hear more about you and and your husband. I mean, it sounds like I know when I was doing research, you guys, to me, honestly, it's amazing. You guys are like a power couple. I look up to you guys. 
I have a young child, 10 months old, so I'm sure I'm sure I could learn from you and 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 how you guys maintain that balanced life. But I'm pretty I think I have a question about that, so we'll get to that later. So, first off, why don't you tell us about your current organization, uh, Top Hat, perhaps your current mission. What are you guys trying to do over here? Sure. So, a, a little bit about Top Hat for people who haven't heard about it. So, we're, we're a startup still, a uh, relatively young company. We've got just over 200 people, but growing really quickly. So, we're adding 100 people or so in the next uh, year. Um, Top Hat is an education technology product. It's used in over 750 schools, and it's been used by millions of students. And to date, we've raised three major rounds of financing. The latest round, which was just announced a couple months ago, was led by Union Square Ventures out of New York. Our Series B was led by Georgian Partners here in Toronto, and our Series A was led by Emergence Capital out of the Valley and Inovia, which is based here in Canada. So. Just uh, going with that preamble, so, so what is Tabat? So our mission is to uh, make teaching fun and effective. So we're really focused on the professor in uh, the higher education space. And Top Hat is an all-in-one teaching platform for professors. And it really does uh, you know, four main things for professors. Where we got started and the first product that we developed was classroom engagement. So this was to help professors engage students in classrooms. So I'm sure anyone who's been to university has been in that situation where you're sitting in class and you're bored <laughs> and the teacher is showing some PowerPoint slides and for an hour or two hours and you're sort of drifting off and you're really not paying attention. So uh, Top Hat, what it does is allows professors to interrupt the classroom, uh, engage students in discussions and ask questions, ask quizzes and really sort of break up the lecture, make sure that students are paying attention and also that students are following along and actually comprehending what's being taught to them. So, so that's one area. Uh, another thing that Top Hat helps professors with is helping them find content. So. We have a marketplace where professors are able to search uh, for question packs to use in classroom or presentations and uh, things like textbooks as well. And not only can they find other content other, authored by other people, but they can author their own content. So they are able to author their own questions and discussion modules and potentially even textbooks. And if they so wish, they can offer, offer them on the marketplace to other professors. And uh, lastly, we have a homework platform where professors are able to author interactive assignments and distribute those within the classroom and outside the classroom as well. I mean, that's... That sounds amazing, almost unheard of in my day uh, I, when I was in engineering, and this was in the 90s, late 90s, uh, I, I think is my biggest fear, not that I want to be a professor or teacher, is how do you keep these kids engaged nowadays? I see pictures of professors sitting in front of a classroom and everyone has a laptop open and no one's looking at the professor and it's, it sounds like Top Hat is in a right position to really help this change in education and it sounds like you guys are building a great network on that. How, how many professors are actually using this or is it just schools? We have entire school adoptions wow. uh, and we have also individual professors who sign up. So I, I typically it's somewhere I think this year close to 10,000 or something like that in terms of actual professors who are going to be using the, the product. Uh, so yeah, and then like I said, millions of students are, you know, coming out of that. Amazing. Congrats on the, uh, on the success of it. And, and I think you quickly, you just briefly mentioned you guys are growing. You're adding another 100 people. So 
things are going well and it sounds like the adoption level is really really growing there so I'm super excited to hear that and really watch watch the company grow as well and, and being from Toronto I, lo I love I love Toronto companies as well so um, so as I was looking up in terms of your leadership path and, and how you got here you were brought in in 2013 and primarily due to your experience and your success with Savitsa. Savica. Savica, a company that you personally started in 2007. I mean, I, I found it really easy because the appointment was announced with a press release that I found in Google. So can you share with us, because I'm really curious to know if what the challenge was taking on an executive role within a growing organization like Top Hat. Sure. So when I moved on from Savica, I was looking for a very specific role. And Top Hat almost fell into my lap. It was almost serendipity. So I think I mentioned it to one friend that I was starting to look for something new. And she suggested that I meet with Matt Golden, who uh, heads Golden Venture Part Ventures uh, here in Toronto. And I spoke to him for all of maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And he said, you have to talk to Mike, who is the CEO of Top Hat. And here I am four years later. It was pretty much almost meant to be. And it was a perfect fit because I was looking for a post-Series A company that was entering a really quick growth phase. And I was looking for a chief product role. And all my experience was in EdTech prior to that. So the fit was really quite obvious and made it easy. And the reason I was looking for a company at this stage is I most of my experience to date before that was in early stage companies. So companies that I founded and grew, grew from zero, working in San Francisco, I also joined a company that was at zero and grew very quickly. And I wanted to enter a company at that just the moment where they had product market fit, but they were going to enter a really quick growth phase. And that that ended up being top end was um, also it's been incredibly exciting uh, over the last four years, especially the last year or so when we our growth has really accelerated. It's really rare to find an opportunity where you're truly disrupting a hundred-year-old industry like we're doing with publishing. And so, um, you know, it's been an incredible journey. When, when I started here, I was the first product person. And for the first two years, I ran product and marketing. So <laughs> I was uh, heading marketing as well. And splitting my time between those two roles was very difficult. And to top it all off, uh, one year into the job, I had my daughter. So <laughs> I had to take a quick four-month maternity leave and then you know, get back at it. Uh, it come a pretty long way. So the team is now 10 people here on the product side. And we are leading approximately 40 engineers. And I'm looking to add five people to the product team in the next few years, which is uh, in the next few months, sorry. Next few months. <laughs> next few months, years now. Uh, yeah. And in terms of like, opportunities and challenges, I think the, definitely the biggest challenge and also opportunity in, uh, you know, is finding the right talent. So that's been the biggest uh, thing that I've focused on. And it's difficult to find good product people because it's not an obvious role. There's not a degree in product management from X school that qualifies you. And what makes a good product manager at the end of the day or a great product person, if you're a designer as well, is just having really great judgment. And how do you interview someone and figure out, does this person have good judgment in you know, if several hours time? So that's one of the skills that I think I've worked on honing and sort of, uh, you know, really bringing up uh, is to find that top talent. And so I, I'm incredibly proud of the team that I've built here so far. And they're super talented people and, and they make my life quite easy as a result. That, no, that's super interesting. And I, I hear this a lot 
from a lot of leaders is uh, when company is going well, the biggest challenge is finding the right people, the f- creating the right team around you, what you're looking for, because ultimately you have this this mission or this dream or, or how you want to run things. So how did you find these first five product people? Were they referrals? Were they in your network? Uh, I'm thinking back. Uh, the f- my first uh, product manager that I hired, Ian, I think he came, I'm trying to remember, he might have even come through an agency at the time that we were working with. And it was very tough building up a pipeline from zero, especially if there were no other product managers here. And I must say, he was an incredibly brave individual. I was seven months pregnant when he, or eight months pregnant when he joined. (laughs) And he knew he was joining with me going away. (laughs) So he joined and a month later, I went on uh, my maternity leave and left him as the only product person in Top Hat at the time we had maybe something like 15 engineers. Uh, and he's been with the organization since and he's just moved into a director role. And so that's, that's one of the things that you know, I really enjoy is working with people and helping them find the right career path and grow as individuals and explore new things and new opportunities. And so he's now heading up our product analytics group and uh, is building out his own team as well. So that's super exciting. That, yeah, I mean, that's super exciting, bringing your, uh, your first uh, team member and helping them build, I guess, their own career and building another leader within the organization. That's, that's super great. And, and, and it's a great trait to have as well. So being, I guess, the chief product officer, which is something that you, you mentioned you're looking for, for your next step, for your next role. And this is me outside looking in. I assume design, usability, user experience is probably second to none. I'm not 100% sure. I like to think I'm a product guy as well for my own company and the things I do as well and those challenges. But are you like, I bet you're not only obsessed with it, but can you tell us where you get your design theories, your best practices? I know you mentioned you took that within Waterloo. And, and how do you ensure that you're providing the best experience to, to your professors, to anyone who's using the product? Sure. So I would say the key to creating a great user experience is really understanding your customer. It isn't really one size fits all in terms of design pattern or you know practices or colors or whatever you want to you know think of in terms of design. And so one of the things that we really focus on the product team here at Top Hat is just making sure we spend a lot of time talking to and observing our customers. And one of the hallmarks of this is we take once a semester, we take a, an immersive trip, we split up and across North America, and we take week-long trips to campuses where we interview professors, we interview students, and we observe professors teaching and using Top Hat, but also just in their general environment and their interactions with education technology. And this has been really key to helping us understand, you know, what we need to be building and what's working, what's not working, and all the ins and outs of Top Hat um, in the classroom and outside the classroom. And it's because, you know, unlike one-off conversations that sometimes product people have and every few weeks, when you have successive concentrated conversations like this, you quickly recognize patterns that may not have been obvious before. And so when you're talking to 10 professor in three days across two campuses, it becomes obvious what their challenges are, what, where the opportunities lie, and where we really need to focus on as a product organization. 
And in addition to that, we obviously speak to professors throughout the semester. We you we watch recordings of how they use our product, which has been really great. Uh, so we're able to watch where they're struggling. And of course, I mentioned uh, Ian, uh, my first product manager, is building out the product analytics group. So we're looking at a lot of data and understanding how professors' activity correlates to their success as well. So the, the key, I think, really is developing very deep empathy and understanding of the customer. And another really important factor, I think, to ensure you deliver the best experience is being really clear to what you're trying to achieve and ensuring that your team understands that. So we do that by having clear metrics and objectives for each of the roadmaps that we're, we're running. And then within each of the features that we're working on, what is the criteria for success? Uh, you know, How do you know that the customer is going to be um, successful using that feature and being able to track that and put all of the data metrics in place to be able to understand that data. So I would say that those two things have been really important uh, on our end to making sure we create the best user experiences. I mean, that's great. I mean, I mean, it's a lot of key learnings there uh, in terms of building out a product that's successful is really just taking that time and, and to be with your customers. Uh, uh, how, how often do you, do you schedule these these road trips? So they're once a semester. So we're very semester-based uh, around the academic calendar. And so we have a spring, summer, fall trip that we, we go on. And sometimes in addition to that as well. But those are the, the week-long immersive trips where they take quite a lot of coordination and planning uh, you know, on our end. And we, uh, so we just came back from our various trips about a week ago. Yeah, I can't even imagine like being out for a week long, back in the school environment, um, do you or maybe your team also enjoy getting out there as well and, and seeing it? Every time we do it, everyone comes back so energized and incredibly excited and focused on what needs to be done because you see the product in action, you see where it's making a huge difference in students and professors' lives, and then you also see where the professors are struggling. Uh, you know, educators are incredible people. Um, we're very blessed to be able to work with them. Mm -hmm. They're passionate about what they do. They want to make a difference. They're extremely committed and intelligent people. And watching them struggle with various things that we had all the best intentions when we made uh, is really sort of heart-wrenching for a lot of us. And so we come back and we're very focused on making sure that we do what we can to address those issues and help make their lives easier and save them time and make, like, our mission, make the teaching that they're doing actually fun and effective. Yeah, cool. No, that's really cool. I mean, that's um, something I need to do more often as well for myself and my business is really get out there and talk to my customers. But as I briefly mentioned, you were, you were, you were the founder, CEO of Savica. It was an online social media company focused on international education, so you're also an ed tech. You were able to grow that company and you have eventually exited. Can you share with us how you were able to lead the company's growth? Sure. So at its peak, uh, Savica had around 90 employees and approximately 15 of them were based in Toronto and the rest were based in India. And when we started Savica, we had never been to India. <laughs> and so this was, as you can imagine, a massive learning curve. And it was also a very risky undertaking. And I think one of the things I can say is I, I feel like I've gotten to where I am by taking really big risks and pretty much getting in way over my head. <laughs> this was probably uh, the epitome of 
you know, that in, in my life. And so the keys of how the company ended up being successful really lie in figuring out um, a online marketing um, acquisition strategy. So the business was... Um, we monetized through selling Indian student leads to post-secondary institutions in North America. And one of the things that we happened upon is that students who are planning on studying abroad are typically preparing for writing their GMAT or their GRE exams um, to be able to attend their MBA or post-secondary sort of master type programs. So we ended up building hundreds of thousands of unique test prep questions for all the different exams students in India were studying for, internal, including internal Indian school-based entrance exams as well. And we offered them for free. And as a result, we got millions of students coming to our sites. And at one point, uh, I remember we were the 12th most popular site in India. And so students would come to the site studying for their GRE, and we would show them opportunities for studying at various universities across North America that we had partnerships with that were looking to attract more international students. Uh, and so that was really the key to, I would say, the business's success is figuring out that marketing um, channel. And then, um, you know, I would say the biggest challenge of that you know, we had working, uh, it's pretty obvious, I think probably anyone listening to this was the fact that most of our employees were in India and we were based in Toronto. And yes, I made a lot of trips to India and spent a lot of time there, but you can't substitute that for actually being based in India and also understanding Indian business culture, um, you know. And so the, one of the best strokes of luck or skill, whatever you may call it, is the um, the person I hired to be my India country manager, which was uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of Abhishek Singla, and he was a very smart, ambitious IIT graduate who was also really entrepreneurial, which back in 2007 was not all that common in, in India, actually. And most of all, he was an incredibly genuine, honest person. And so I was a able to work with him really as a partner to build that entire organization and was able to trust him uh, in you know, advising me around you know, various things that I was unaware of working in a new business environment like India. Well, very cool. I mean, it sounds like you're just like here at Top Hat, building your team. You're, you're maybe uh, lucky as well to find uh, Abhishek as, as your country manager. So that, that's awesome, awesome. I, I guess just really quickly to touch upon, I was thinking about that and having your a lot of your clients are in India, your team is in India. And I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, you're Investors was also from there as well. Yes. What yes, were the challenges? Right. What were the challenges like that? Yeah. So it was very interesting. So our investor was a company called Educomp, which at the time had just gone public and quickly became to be the largest education company in all of India. And so I would say that relationship was. You know, really positive in, um, and they were very supportive. We, it's quite complicated to operate a subsidiary in India, being a young company. So they were helpful in helping us set up all of our offices and helping us with all the HR and, and payroll type issues that you know you had to deal with. Um, and but other than that, they were very hands off. So they were able to help and make introductions where necessary, but uh, they, they were 
you know, kind of left us to our own devices to figure everything out. They were a, more of a brick and mortar type business where they, they built a lot of schools and universities and they also provided content um, for the classroom. And so what we were doing, which was in a you know, more like social uh, space with, you know, lead generation and things like that, uh, working a lot in North America was quite outside of their, their general I guess expertise, and so it was an interesting relationship because they were an investor, but they were also, you know, an education company themselves in India. So it was almost like they complemented what you did, and because they didn't understand the digital space or or what you guys were trying to do, they were like, okay, whatever you need will help, but otherwise, go do your thing. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I mean, I mean, that's it's it's awesome to find investors that like that and to really help you help you grow. So a trait of many business leaders is, is the ability to learn, learn from others, either by reading or being part of a peer mentorship group. But I find it interesting, and you mentioned this at the top, that between yourself and your husband, you, you have built three startups, early startups. I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to know personally, is like, can you tell us the pros and cons of, of building a business with your significant other? Sure, yeah. So I worked with my husband, John, for six years. And uh, <laughs> our first startup, we worked out of my in-laws' basement for two years. And this was a company we started about a month after we got married. And we had no money and no income. And so it was quite an adventure. <laughs> and when we moved uh, after that to San Francisco, we ended up working at the same company again, which was completely unintentional. So we started out by working at two different companies and after a couple months, I ended up recruiting him to join me at the company I was working at because we needed a director of engineering. And that company was called Affinity Labs. And so I was the director of product and he was the director of engineering and we worked really, really closely while we were there. And so after Affinity Labs, which, you know, grew really quickly and exited after 14 months. We founded LearnHub um, Savica together, um, which, you know, our, our flagship property was LearnHub.com. And we worked on that together for two and a half years until he left the business and moved on. And then I continued to run that for about two and a half years after that before I joined Top Hat. And so we, you know, a lot of people are really surprised, you know, how do you work with your spouse and not get into a lot of conflict? And doesn't that, you know, spill into your home life? And yes, it definitely spills into our home life. But, you know, I would say that John and I work really well together because we have very different but very complementary personalities. So I'm the very organized, systematic manager, and he's the creative experimenter type. And so, you know, that that works well when you're starting up a business because I think you need both personalities. But what we're really aligned with is our style of thinking, which makes things really easy. So we're both very logical, critical thinkers um, and approach problems in the same way. And when we disagree, we approach and dissect problems in the same sort of way. And we really enjoy disagreement and debate and find that as a source of energy. And you know, over the years, we've joked that when we first met, we disagreed about a lot of things, and over time, we were able to convince one another of our relative positions to the point now we kind of agree on almost everything, and we almost seek out conflicts <laughs> artificially so that we have something to debate, because <laughs> we enjoy that so much. Um, so, I mean, to this day, like I said, we spend you know at least an hour a day, I would say, probably when the kids go to bed, talking about business, and that is our top 
uh, topic of conversation where we're not talking about world affairs or politics or something along those lines. And we just bounce our various challenges and ideas off one another. And we both have a really big network of highly skilled entrepreneurs that we know and other leaders that we're exposed to. And so, like, unlike anyone else in your life, whether it be, you know, your boss or, you know, employees that you have or investors you work with, you know, your, your spouse is in a position to be radically honest with you, like really nobody else. You know each other so well, you know each other's weaknesses, and no one, you know, you don't have trust with anyone nearly to that extent. And that can give you feedback at the sort of level that you need, like, I would say, you know, John is able to do with me and I am able to do with him. So, I, you know, we, we work in the same industry. We know pretty much all the same people, uh, but it's a real strength in our relationship. And I think for us, it makes, you know, helps us understand each other. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, previously, you told me before that you actually don't read many books. I mean, from what I know, a lot of leaders do read a lot of books to help them grow, find new things. But I'm guessing... As you just mentioned, having a husband who's also a business leader, why would you need to read more? And perhaps John reads, I'm not sure, and maybe I'm going to have to get him on the show to, to find out. But having said that, you did tell me you're currently reading Guns, Germs, and Steel, which was a book given by your friend. So I guess really what I want to know is, does reading help you get your mind off work? Is it, is it sort of an escape? Sure. So I did want to clarify this one that I said that I don't read many business books. So what I do read uh, when it comes to business are blogs. And so there's a few blogs that I like and I'll call out two that I think are fantastic. So Mark Sester's Both Sides of the Table, I think is amazing, and First Round Capital's Review. And the, the reason why I do that is I find a lot of business books contain one key insight or thesis, which can be easily summarized in a long blog post. And a lot of books tend to belabor the point unnecessarily, with more than half the book dedicated to unnecessary fluff. And so I'm not going to name names here, but uh, I think the best business leaders and thinkers are too busy actually building the companies than to be writing books about it. And you can maybe be lucky enough to be able to read a blog post about something that they are thinking about or their ideas and um, you know approaches. And if, even if they happen to be the writing type, but even a lot of you know the best leaders don't have time to write books. So that's probably why I ignore that. But Reading books, uh, I'm always reading a book. Uh, I have one on the go, like I mentioned, Gun, Germs, and Steel. And that, those I read just mostly to be, remain an informed citizen. So that's what I'd say to that. So I love it. No, I love it. You definitely need, to, need escape. For me, I, I tend to read running books for some reason. I, uh, I get inspired by people who, who run and learn from that. I mean, this year I'm running the Chicago Marathon training for it. So it's nice to, oh. <laughs> it's, it's nice to, to get, get out of business as well. So real fun question that I want to ask. And if, uh, if I were to ask your team, what's your best leadership quality that you possess? What do you think they would say? So I, when I saw this question, uh, <laughs> I actually wrote it, my team and asked them to send me what they would say. So I don't, uh, make up something that's too flattering for my own self. And uh, so here's what they said. So I'm very protective of my team and loyal and I'm very decisive. They said that I give people a lot of latitude and autonomy to find solutions to problems, but that I hold them accountable for the results. They said I'm honest, good at conflict resolution and decision synthesis and resolute with a good sense of humor. So that was from the horse's mouth. Oh, I love it. 
I, I, I love that that question got you to think about it and, and gave you an actionable item. But uh, it, it's making me wonder if they would have told you anything bad. I probably not uh, in this context, but I usually, I'm, I'm very proactive in getting people's feedback. So I, I appreciate negative feedback and positive feedback and as a way to continuously help grow. Like I mentioned, that's why my husband is a great source of feedback because he doesn't hold any punches. 100%, 100%. And there was a long list there and I'm probably going to re-listen to it before this goes live. But of those ones that you got feedback from, what do you think was your top leadership skill? Uh, I would probably say decisiveness is one of my top skills and the honesty piece is very true I'm very transparent I think being transparent and open with people allows them to trust you so one of the things I do with my team is I make sure I pass on you know all of the exec level type conversations and debates that are going on I present the board deck um, that you know the board presentation to them every quarter that we have, so they understand the thinking that's going on at the top level, and there's none of uh, the sort of gossip that happens about what's going on, what's really happening, what are their plans that happen in companies where that kind of honesty and transparency isn't there. So I find that Top Hat is a very transparent organization, and so that's something that aligns well with my style as well, which is 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 really positive. No, no, that's great. And, and I think the whole organization, your team, everyone will appreciate understanding what's happening behind, behind closed doors. But, but I'm wondering, as the company grows again, is, it, is this the culture that the top-level executives are going to try to keep as well and maintain, or at least within your team? Definitely within my team. Uh, I have seen nothing good come from you know, hiding information from people uh, at other organizations, like I said. I think the ability for people to trust the organization they work for and especially to trust the person they work for is essential for people to do their best work. If you don't trust your leader, if you don't trust the other people on your team, uh, you can't be creative, you won't take risks, you, you won't give it your all, you're not going to be your best person uh, at work. And so I think it, it's essential for teams to be able to build that kind of trust. And one of the first steps is just being honest, open, uh, fostering debate and discussion and dissent and uh, having that kind of environment. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's, a, that's great. And I love to hear that, especially as you grow and as you're looking to grow your team as well, it, it's it's awesome to hear people. If you're out there listening, Malgosha is super transparent person to to work with, and and will let you grow and good fail or bad. at the circle. <laughs> so real quickly, I know as I was preparing for this, and like you, I found that you're an urban family living right downtown. Like my wife and I, you know, we have a daughter, and we live right by the Art Gallery of Ontario, and 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 I was happy and pleasantly surprised that you not surprised but that you go to the art gallery of ontario at least once a month so aside from having something activity to do with your family is there something a reason why you love to do that sure so i think it's because i love beautiful design and being surrounded by beauty and so i've been a huge fan of frank gary for decades and so pretty much since i was old enough to appreciate architecture and I'll never forget visiting the Guggenheim in Bilbao uh, a few years after it opened. And so the AGO for me is a place to go 
that is filled with beautiful and sometimes thought-provoking uh, pieces of art, and it's housed in an inspiring physical space. I, when I enter that space, and I can see that on my children as well, I feel like I can just relax and breathe. And we, you know, love exploring the building, just wandering up the staircases, and we always make a stop uh, having a gelato in the Italian gallery uh, at the end of the the whole excursion. So it's just a beautiful spot to be. That's awesome. I love I love the gelato there there as well. So before we end, can you perhaps provide some final thoughts, maybe observations, any actionable items that you can share for the future technology leaders or product managers, designers who are looking to grow their career? Sure. I, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier on, but I'll repeat it again to stress it. I think taking risks is essential to growing your career. So my first job out of school was being a hardware design engineer at a very well-run large company. And after about a year, I realized that I would have to do that job for about five years before I even had the opportunity to become a team lead, let alone a project manager. And you know, for some people, maybe that's great, but I am much too impatient for that. That is one of my probably less good qualities or good, depending on how you look at it. So I, I left that very secure, stable, well-paying job, but and took a, you know, a huge risk, like I mentioned, working in my in-laws basement for two years at no pay. But three years after I left that job, I was director of product at a fast paced startup in San Francisco that went from zero to being acquired for $60 million after 14 months. So I would have never been hired as a product manager if I hadn't taken that risk and ran my own business and gotten that kind of experience. It was a really hard slog, but it is what really launched my career. Awesome, taking risks is definitely a key, a key stepping stone that I hear from a lot of leaders and what, speaking to a lot of leaders out there is taking a risk and, and it was their ability to grow as an executive or into different roles and finding those opportunities. So to close, Magosia, this was amazing. I learned a lot. Can you please tell us more where we could find information about you, Top Hat, perhaps some of the events you'll be speaking at or when the grand opening of the new Top Hat office is? Sure. So I do have an event coming up uh, at the end of May, on May 27th. I'm doing the keynote at the e-learning and innovative pedagogies conference here in Toronto. Uh, Other than that, you can check out tophat.com. We have a fantastic blog that, you know, talks about a lot of strategies for effectively using technology in the classroom, if that's something that, uh, you know, interests any of the listeners. And I would urge you to check out our careers page, because like I mentioned earlier, we are hiring. We're definitely hiring for the product team and across all the different departments, sales, uh, customer success, engineering, you name it, we're hiring. And we are moving to a beautiful new office space in Yorkville in the beginning of August. So if everything goes well, I know we've started construction, so we're super excited about that. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I will post all the links to Top Hat, to the blog, and perhaps to the career section as well on the episode website. And thank you for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really had a great time meeting and talking with Malgosia. I learned quite a bit about the edtech space, a lot more about product management, and how to lead through honesty and transparency. And I agree 100% with her. Whether you are an entrepreneur or a young professional, it is essential to take a risk to grow your career. And as mentioned, 
If you are looking to move into the edtech space, Top Hat is hiring. So be sure to check out their website. So for more information, for links that were mentioned in the show blogs, please go to the website, thebusinessleadership.com slash 009. Thank you for joining me again. If you are enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave me a comment. I'm excited and eager to hear from you. Until next time, Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.